Hey, welcome to National Intel Report. Connor Coughlin, co-host of Midnight Ride Podcast. Welcome. Hey, Peter. Thank you very much. It's it's uh, an honor to be on your show and, and on the network. Hey, uh, before we... I, I'm one of those guys, whenever I have a guest, I will talk your ear off and completely forget to let you plug your stuff. And then and then we'll get to the music at the end of the show and I'm like, oops, sorry. So why don't we start right there? Where can people find... Midnight Ride podcast and and why did you start it and you know tell us a little bit about yourself and all that kind of intro stuff. Well, thank you so much. So my co-host who's not with us tonight, uh, he, he's a job creator and a, and a business owner. His, his day job has has uh, taken over. But uh, Paul Runyon and I started the Midnight Ride. We're, we're military veterans. Uh, we left the military. We we escaped from California and Washington D.C. and moved to. Uh, Florida and uh, Big Sky Country, respectively. And uh, after we got separated from, you know, when we met in the military, we would, you know, have these phone calls and these discussions, and we were just throwing up our hands at some of the events, some of the things that that you and your listeners have been talking about tonight, and just, you know, threats to our liberty. And and we would have these hours-long conversations about what we would do to solve these things. And we said, hey, you know what? We should share this with the United States, with, with, with the American public and and voters and, and folks that, that have similar um, opinions that we do. So we called it the Midnight Ride because, like Paul Revere, we're out there trying to warn people about a very serious threat. And, and the way I see it is communism, socialism is seeping in to our republic. We're seeing it every day. And, and so we're, we're basically – our mission is to – uh, warn people about threats to our liberty, things are go- that are going on that they may not be aware of, that we can sound the alarm about, and then we can we can take action. And the Midnight Ride can be heard on Apple Podcasts, it can be heard on Spotify, and we have a YouTube channel as well, the Midnight Ride Podcast. And thank you, by the way, Peter, for, for giving me a chance to, to make that plug. Sure. Hey, why else? Uh, come on. Anyway, uh, before we move on, Dan in Washington on line one has called back. He said he wanted to make one more quick point. So, Dan, what did yeah. we miss? Oh, I, I forgot. Uh, tax-free foundations from billionaires. Uh, I didn't know you had a guest coming on, but uh, all these, uh, you know, Kaiser Wilhelm Foundation, if you watch NPR, <clears throat> uh, you know, these things need to be put under control. The Gates Foundation, Ford Foundation. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree with your guest. I mean, uh, you know, Huey Long got shot, but he was very popular. And, you know, he would have provided real socialism where they would have just nationalized the oil. And we wouldn't have this Rockefeller Foundation, New World Order corporate system at all, really. You know, so it's... Right. Least, instead, you know, instead, we'd have our incompetent you know, government controlling the oil. Yeah. But that would be better, you know. It, it's it's better than having Rockefeller like quietly funding feminism and stuff and open borders and <laughs> you know. I'd rather just have a national health care system or something, and they could lower other taxes like the property tax or, uh, you know. So anyway, that's all I had to say. But tax free foundations uh, need to go because the corporate rule to me is a bigger threat, you know, right now. And that's this new world order, corporate Bill Gates, 
World Health Organization. All, all this kind of stuff is all, it, it's not government. They, they don't want anything public, right? They don't want public dams that provide power cheaply to people. They don't want. No, uh, it's, it's oligarchy. It's what it is. Yeah, and that to me that's and a lot of those oligarchs actually push a lot of the anti-socialism stuff. That's why they had to get rid of National Socialist Germany and, and Italy, and and they're always still like even like Sweden. They're always telling them, hey, you know, even England. I think it's like, hey, privatize your healthcare system. It'll be great. It'll be run by Pfizer Permanente. You know, it'll be run by uh, Kaiser. Pfizer, you know, <laughs> all this crap. So. Anyway, that's but the, the it's supposed to be one man, one vote, and you know if you got Bill Gates funding NPR and the media and the commercial media, uh, you know they have the power to lie to you and uh, you know override the people. You know there's there's just a lot of stuff we need to oh yeah get rid of. But you know there's a anyway, lot. that's that's my perspective. I'm sure. Guess we'll probably disagree, but you know, tell me, tell me real quick how nationalizing the oil, you know, would have been such a bad thing. Like, why it's under the ground? You know, okay. who should have the oil? You know, I'll answer. Anyway, I'll, I'll answer you. Next. I'll answer you with, with one question: What has our federal government ever done effectively and efficiently? Peter, your your response to him is excellent. And Dan brought up a lot of great points there about the World Economic Forum and, and all of the threats coming from the globalists, the global elites. That is absolutely a threat. I think your question about government is the point that we're often trying to make. Aside from maybe our military, which you've served in, I've served in, it is a government entity. Um, which I think is the best in the world, maybe the best in the history of the world. Everything else has been abject failure. And yeah, I, may- I would argue that the government hasn't even done the military efficiently, effectively, maybe. Efficiently, no. Tremendous waste, absolutely. Is it is it strong? Yes, but that's partly because of the quality of, of our men and women. But he, he mentioned immigration a second ago, and I will just follow up with nationalized oil as we have – Tens of thousands of illegal aliens pouring across our borders every day. They're coming from a couple of places, Mexico and Venezuela, that nationalize the oil where people have no freedom and right. are, are dying to get here because of nationalized oil, socialized medicine, and communism. It's not the way to go. And to, ha- to have people say, well, it's never really truly been practiced the right way, usually the people that are saying that are not the people who've actually had to live under it. That's true. And and if you talk to any of those immigrants from any of those countries, they'll say, "Why are we? Why is the America doing this? This is what I ran away from." <laughs> yeah, South Florida. Anyway, so we spent the I, I spent the first hour talking about uh, how we might re. I don't I don't want to say redo the Declaration of Independence because that's not what I want. If we were going to write our new Declaration in order to reclaim our government, what it would be like. I want to spend the second hour talking about. Um, changes to the constitution that would give we the people some of our power back that's been taken from us over the years but first um 
let's uh, let's have a little bit of fun for a second. If I can find uh, that one. Do you feel that your neighbors should pay for your overpriced, worthless college degree? Do you think some guns should be banned just because they look scary? Do you believe the phrase all lives matter is racist, but black lives matter is social justice? Are fascist tactics acceptable when used for anti-fascist causes? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be one of the almost 50% of Americans suffering from a disease known as liberal progressivism. Recognizing the early warning signs is the key to recovery. A few of the early warning signs are feeling offended by 100-year-old statues, the desire to silence opposing opinions, and blindly following edicts without question. There is hope. A complete recovery may still be possible. A little bill called Liberty is the key to healing. Combine liberty in a cocktail of common sense and personal responsibility, and liberal progressivism is reversible. Liberal progressivism is a serious disease that should be treated immediately. This message brought to you by the Founding Fathers in conjunction with the United States Constitution. The United States of America is the greatest country in the history of the world. <laughs> you gotta have some fun sometimes. I love I love your 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 PSAs and your commercials. They're great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So Connor, and by one one Peter, you don't like country music? Like it's the most patriotic music in America. I mean, it is Toby <laughs> Keith, Trace Adkins, all those guys. Uh, I can't believe you're not down with it. I I don't know. I guess I didn't spend enough time in Alabama. I. I, I just I grew up on classic rock and that's that's my thing is is classic rock. I'm I'm not opposed to country. It's just that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, Connor. I personally think that the US Constitution is quite possibly the most perfect document ever penned by human hands. Yes, it had some flaws. Many of those flaws have been corrected through the amendment process. I still think it has a couple of shortcomings. Do okay. you think that we can save our Constitution? Is it salvageable? Well, I, I think it is. And, and as your commercial just stated, I mean, there's a lot of pessimism right now in America. I still think, in addition to being the greatest country on earth, and agree 100% on, on the perfection of this document, we are the last great hope on earth. And, and obviously events in, in Russia and Ukraine are very frightening for a lot of people, but I think America is still, I don't think we're on the decline. I think, uh, you know, we're a decadent country that's socially on the decline, but I, I, I still think we're the best. The, the concern I have is that there are so many people on the progressive left now who are, are, I think they've lost their minds. They've lost their sanity. And when they get stymied by the Supreme court, you know, or the or the Constitution, and and, and the, or the events over the last two years with this COVID thing, the the Constitution is an inconvenient entity for a president trying to overstep his powers as given to him by Article Two of the Constitution. Absolutely. Things things like as we saw the mor- the moratorium on evictions, or yeah, that the, one. Oh my God, that that one made my head explode. The president of the United States stood at a podium and said, well, all the constitutional scholars say that we shouldn't do this or can't do this, but we're going to do it anyway. I mean, how the Senate. Was, how was that not an immediate impeachment? I 100% agree. I mean, he basically said, I know this is going to get struck down, 
but I can give you some relief until it goes through the courts. That's basically saying, I know I'm going to go to jail eventually, but let's keep robbing these banks so that we can have this money to go on our, our sprees to, you know, Monaco or whatever. I mean, he basically admitted that he knew it was illegal, but he was going to do it anyway. And both he and his predecessor, uh, Barack Obama, both have said that they knew that things that they were doing were unconstitutional, but they did them anyway. Right. And so, and, and the media, it has to, and the, and the, and their allies and, and lapdogs and the oligarch oligarch owned media cover for them and basically have come out and said, maybe it's time to get rid of, or to pack the Supreme court or to get rid of the constitution or to write another one. Too many Americans, sadly, don't see the genius of the document, Peter, and it's 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 something we have to address. Yeah. Well, several years ago, I spent four hours, four one-hour weekly shows, and I went through line by line, read the entire Constitution, and explained the genius of the entire thing, and and all of the things that people argue, like you know, claiming that the three-fifths clause was racist, and well, yeah, it was racist, but. It also kept the slaveholding states from having an even larger majority in Congress and thereby perpetuating slavery forever. Well, like, and it kept the Union to, right. together. I mean, we yeah. wouldn't have a United States if it wasn't for that. Right. So the way the U.S. Constitution stands today, do you think that there are any clear, obvious shortcomings? Well, we, we've talked a lot about the 16th Amendment tonight and um, – I believe that's the taxation one. Um, I don't know if we're going to change that. I I don't. I don't think so. Now, before the show, your producer sent me the outline of of some of the amendments that that you're proposing, and it's funny because on the midnight ride, we've talked about a lot of these. I like most of. The, I, I like the, the present Constitution. I think there are things that we can that we need to add to it because clearly this current generation of octogenarian corrupt buffoons that are, are trying their best to destroy the Republic are not sufficiently reined in by the document. So I think we need to make more amendments that uh, limit their ability to uh, get rich off of, of the, the largesse of, of taxation. Okay. Um, I, I'm uncomfortable by the use of the term general welfare in the preamble hmm. only because what does that mean it's it's a it's a vague statement so you know of course the preamble we the people of the united states in order to form a more perfect union establish justice ensure domestic tranquility tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity posterity to establish and ordain yeah general welfare and then in um, in article one the necessary and proper those two phrases have been used to justify every federal government overreach imaginable in the last hundred years um, you know this is madison, madison argued that the necessary and proper clause was supposed to be necessary and proper in order to do the things listed in article one and then now it's it's 
been expanded to, well, basically whatever the Congress says is necessary and proper. Well, we can do it. It's right there. It says necessary and proper. You know, you're absolutely right. If you go to that that preamble there, I mean, we know what justice is. We know what common defense is. We know what liberty is. But general, the ambiguity of the general welfare, it could apply to high-speed rail. It could apply to just about any government program, certainly health care, certainly a lot of things. You know, it's an excellent point that I've never considered, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it could be a blank check for the federal government to expand. And that and that's exactly how it's been used. Let's see what uh, Andrea in Oklahoma has to contribute to the conversation tonight. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Yes. Um, can you hear me? Certainly. Very good. Andrea, Andrea, can I just say I love Oklahoma, Garth Brooks, Reba McIntyre, Toby Keith, and that governor that just signed that law uh, this week to, to stop the child mutilation. Uh, I love your state. Um, yes, uh, we're, we've got quite a few uh, people that still have common sense here. Um, <laughs> we're, we're right next to Texas, too. Um, what I'm Everything that is coming about with Biden, he is not our president. He is a crook. They stole the election. The Democrats have done everything. If there was a law, they've broken it. They've walked through it. They've destroyed it. They've bombed it. They don't care. They set it afire. They don't care. And we, until we get that solved, because... Trump won the election by more than a landslide, maybe a gazillion landslides, and and we're stuck with the Democratic Party that has declared war on the people from the very beginning with shutting off the Keystone Pipeline, knowing that it was going to bring back around what we're experiencing right now, paying the farmers to quit producing food, opening up the borders for all these terrorists and people coming across it. I mean, everything he has declared war, and he's been poking us ever since he's, he has uh, gotten into that position. He's declared war on us, and we I are afraid we've been sitting on our hands, not doing a thing, and then you have the media. Had to cut you off, Andrea. It's break time. If you want to stick on the phone, I'll let you finish on the other side of the break. Be back in three minutes. I'm Peter Serafine, and So Simple Even a Politician Can Understand is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold or at liberty-lighthouse.com books. Deep in the heart of Texas, back in 18 and 35, they drew a line in the sand. The folks at Gonzales had freedom on their minds. It was all because of a candle that had kept their colony safe 
But then General Santa Ana sent some Mexican troops to take the big gun away. You know what those colonists said? Come and take it if you want it. Come and take it if you think you can. Come and take it, but we'll warn you. You'll have to pry from our cold dead hands. We, we want, want the freedom that I got that tattooed on my forearm. So Mola Lave. How did gun owners do that? Um, we got uh, Andrea still on the phone. And uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's just jump right in there. It's the final segment of National Intel Report in Liberty Lighthouse. Andrea, please continue. Yes. Um, The media is a huge problem because they're all in lockstep. They all say the same thing, and that's all lies. They have lied to the public, and that needs to stop immediately. That is a, a huge problem that has to be solved. And no company should be out there legally uh, driving a wedge through us and what we have voted for and then uh, standing, standing up what we're, we voted for Trump and they have fought us all the way. The media is not good. It needs to be stopped. It's not just affecting America. It's affecting the world. And what's happening in the world? There's wars being stirred up by whom? The Democratic Party, which we don't make weapons anymore. And we just sent everything to Ukraine. And, and they're right. going to want to make more. So what are they going to do? They're going to call up China and say, we want more, more weapons so we can attack you or Russia. I mean, we don't make anything. There is a huge problem here. And you would think special forces would see the, the way to solve it is to get the crook that's not even supposed to be in the White House out because nobody went to his rallies. Nobody right. attended his rallies. It's a clear, it's clear and evident it was stolen. And, and we have not righted even, that wrong. And everything else is just silly. Because it, it's silly. If we can't solve this problem for our free election, we are doomed to slavery. Because it will happen again. And, and what are we doing? Still nothing. I mean, we, you, you can go and try and change some some verbiage on, on people's papers, but if you can't stand with what the law is, as it is, as we the people want it, and, and this 1% gets everything. Nancy Pelosi set that all up against Trump with having Antifa and Black Lives Matter in those buses and had the guards open those gates to the, to the White House and had them wear Trump rally stuff to make us look bad. It's just so rotten. It's so evil and so wicked right now. We've got to do something to take care of this because it's getting ready to happen again in November. That's I agree. Sense. I'll let you go. Thank you. Thank you. I think if you look at the last election, I said there's no way Biden won just based on the people at the rallies. I mean, Biden got a dozen cars at a drive through and Trump got tens of thousands of people's in arena. Can, can I just well, make sense. let me play devil's advocate here for a second? Sure. I, I I agree with Andrea and I agree with you, um, but in a legal sense, there's no proof. Right. 
And so if we continue to stick to this, well, Trump won. I mean, I was having dinner one time in a restaurant in Western Pennsylvania, and there were people that thought that said things like Donald Trump is still the president. He'll be back in a few weeks. Yeah, um, I know. heard that too. That's crazy. We look like lunatics. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Seven, and, and it's not true that no one's doing anything about it. 17 states passed election integrity laws. Um, this is a gut. We have all the power. If you know, if, we, if you read this document, um, yes, they have the they own the institutions. They control the media. They've spun a web of lies. They changed the rules of the election. All those things are true. But as far as like how many people attended the rallies, I mean, that, that's not really proof of anything, because we it, if we learn one thing, to proof, re- but it's a pretty it, it's a pretty glaring difference that makes you go, hmm. It, it is, but Peter, P- Peter, where are you in the country right now? Central Pennsylvania. Okay, so you know, Central Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. Um, those people like being outdoors, like going and fishing, and and doing lots of things, attending you know Steelers games and going to you know going to uh, church and things like that. But if you were in California or Eastern Pennsylvania or New York City, the streets were barren. There were tumbleweeds going through there. The people on their side of the aisle are terrified of COVID. And Biden himself was saying, well, don't, don't, you know, we got to social distance, all this stuff. I mean, these people, this was their first, uh, you know, contemplation of their own mortality, whereas red-blooded Americans, uh, conservatives, people like us, we weren't afraid of COVID. They were. So, I mean, I don't know about the rally thing. I, I think we all know that there was cheating going on in the election, but if we dwell on it, we're going to be painted as extremists and left behind. What we need to do is pass election integrity laws and talk common sense about what's in front of us and not behind us. I agree. I agree. But we got another caller, Misty in Kansas on line three. Welcome to National Intel Report. Misty. Yes. How are you doing? Fabulous. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, Well, you know, this country, we are a republic, not a democracy. And uh, the government is there to protect our rights, exactly like you say, which is the Bill of Rights. Okay? The Bill of Rights. The people's law. So people always say, well, how do we stop this? Well, look at the ninth article in the Bill of Rights. Read that, understand that, and then that's, that basically says that the government doesn't have any authority over the people. If you study that, you know, that's where it's we, the people, who are falling behind because we don't understand our authority. We, I completely it's agree with us. that statement. It's the people that have the authority, not the government. And the ninth and, article specifically states it. I have handed the Bill out of Rights. literally thousands of, of uh, pocket constitutions. I, I bought them with my own money, and I handed them out over the last couple of years, literally thousands of them. Mm-hmm. And I am disgusted by how often I hand it to somebody who says, oh, I've never read that. Or I haven't read that since junior high. I should probably, you know, brush it up. Or I don't know what it really says or anything like that. That's the problem. 
is that we, the people, by and large, not each individual person, but as a collective, we don't know our rights. We don't know what our founding documents say. And we don't even realize that our federal government has grown way beyond the restrictions prescribed to it. And well, I mean, exactly. But, I mean, and I agree 100%. That is where the people need to understand. If the people understood their rights, their authority, we have the authority over this government. Not the other way around. We do. And if they understand that Bill of Rights, look at the ninth article. That forbids the government from doing what they're doing. Then read the tenth article. You know, those are the two. It puts the government in checkmate, if you will. But the people are not, like you say, obviously, they're not knowledgeable to this. But that is how you change this. Period. There's no other way around it unless it is war. I, I don't, there's no other way. The people need to understand this. That's, you know, that's all I got. Well, thank you for the call. Thank you. Connor, anything to add? Well, we do hold all the power. People don't realize that. Um, I, I hope that on November 8th, the American people give uh, our our elites a reminder of who's really in charge. We have seen uh, with the election of Donald Trump and the appointment of some originalist Supreme Court justices, some of that Tenth Amendment, you know, the you know the federalism has been emphasized. And a good example of that is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, where. You know, it's been returned to the states to decide the people of the states will decide what they want to do with that particular issue. I'd like to see more of that. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, she brings up a great point. And uh, I think another thing that Donald Trump proposed when I think he did it up in his Mount Rushmore speech was that we would reinvigorate our civics education. We see Governor DeSantis doing that down in Florida as well. I don't know that the people who run these government schools nationally, I, I'm really uncomfortable with the relationship that the national and state teachers unions have with, with the Democratic Party, but I don't think that civics education is a priority for them. What they're trying to teach kids is to be obsessed with their own immutable characteristics and not the fact that they are Americans and what makes America great. So I, I think um, you know we need to to educate people more because like she says, there is a massive ignorance. I mean, most Americans, I would say two out of three, cannot pass the citizenship test given to immigrants that are trying to naturalize as American citizens. Two out of three cannot name our three branches of government, let right. alone what any of these amendments say. That's a huge problem. Right, I, I agree. Um, I have a coworker and a friend who who just went through the naturalization process and and he knows the stuff probably better than me and and I spend hours every week talking about this stuff anyway the things that we can do to get things to to uh you know if we were to have a convention of states or if we were to revolt and or if we got enough people in congress and we wanted to make amendments i think a, one of the, one of my things is if our founding fathers can 
can frame our government, the three branches of it, the elected officials, how they're all elected, the electoral college, the powers of each branch, if they could put all of that in 4,500 words, then there is nothing that our federal government should ever need to spend more than 4,500 words on. I, I don't think any federal law should ever exceed the word count of the Constitution, which is roughly 45. These these framers, some of whom were in their late 20s and early 30s, were brilliant men. They had that economy of words. Uh, and, and I noticed in some of the things that you proposed that things like single-issue legislation and, and limits on how long these bills can be are, are absolutely right. I mean, the, these bills, which are written sometimes by lobbyists, are so long and you know they get up against it, a deadline there where, where Chuck Schumer or or John Thune or one of these people says to their caucus, you've got two hours to digest this thing. We're going to vote at 8 o'clock tonight. It's like... Yeah, 6,000-page bill that they drop on everybody's desk and say, okay, we're voting tomorrow morning. Yeah, and and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, this legislation that I think was designed to provide Hurricane Ian relief... Uh, just I saw that Senator Marco Rubo, Rubio was being criticized because he was opposed to it. Well, buried inside of that was some billions of dollars that were supposed to go to Ukraine. We right. can't just we can't just say, hey, let's do one bill and it will provide this amount of money to the people of the affected communities in in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina. No, they have to put all their pet projects in there. And uh, and there's not enough time for people to to digest it all. And that's where a lot of this crony corruption is, is, uh, I mean, it's corruption, but it's also inefficiency, right? I agree. And, and it, it just proves that they're not representing us because they don't, they can't be representing us if they're, if they're voting on bills that they haven't even read. It's just ridiculous. Um, I, I think personally, you know, a lot of our constitution was about equality the multiple amendments about the voting rights and things like that. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the form, formation of our government, a lot of the foundation of our government is the equality of men, mankind. Mm-hmm. I think there should be some kind of universal law where that Congress can't do anything that doesn't apply universally. I don't think any law, at, at, you know, at the federal, state, or local level. I don't think any law should be allowed to be passed that does not apply universally to all citizens. I, I think the only distinctions that should ever be made in, in law are citizen, non-citizen, minor, and adult. Period. That, like, let's say when you start doing the, you know, this color, this race, this religion, this ethnic background, immigrant, non-immigrant, none of that matters, or at least none of that should matter. I, you know, one of the ones that comes to mind, and I, I thought this was what you were alluding to, was the Affordable Care Act and the fact that the people who passed it and imposed this abomination upon us, the U.S. Congress, they were that did not apply to them. You know, so certainly any laws that are being put on Joe the plumber should also be put on Joe the congressman. But the Democratic Party has tried and. And some of their institutions that they control, like academia, are trying to do things that are uh, discriminatory against white males. And the Supreme Court 
isn't having it. Uh, I, I think we I don't think we need to modify the Constitution on that front because I think the 14th Amendment has got us covered. OK, OK. One of, another one of my favorites is um, the oath of office. We've, we've got so many people in our government now, like embedded into our federal government that are devout, open, outright socialists and communists and whatever other government form. I think the oath of office used for all federal employees needs to needs to have something added to it. And that is, I am not a member of and do not subscribe to the principles of any group opposed to our form of government. I don't think you can be an effective representative or an effective employee if you're opposed to the basic foundation and formation of our government. Yeah, I think that's, I I remember from my time in the military, something that we had to say as part of our oath, uh, where you had to affirm that you would not, or, or at least in the background investigation process or the application process where you had to affirm. And I think that people who try to become citizens also have to say that same thing, that they, they will only be loyal to our government. Um, but, but I like what you say, their form of government. I, I wonder how that plays out. Uh, someone like Ilhan Omar um, or, or some of these socialist folks, um, you know, is this going to be a McCarthy-esque thing? I, I don't know. Because I think that there's some ambiguity in form of government. But clearly we have people in Congress that don't agree with the separation of powers, uh, a lot of the you – know, or federalism for that matter. So I like the I like the verbiage. I just don't know how it could get done because it we could see something like that in a place like Russia or Cuba as well. Yeah. I, I have to say, I can't take credit for the verbiage on that one. I actually lifted that from the uh, the oath when you are sworn in as an officer in the American Legion. Hmm. I, yeah, like I said, I, I think the military has things like that as well. Um, and I certainly think that people who are going to be serving in the United States Congress or as president, vice president, they, we should know that they're on our side. I agree. Hey, Connor, do you own firearms? I do. I, I do. Do you have, I, you have uh, insurance in case you have to use your firearm? I, I actually do have some, yes, because um, I got a concealed carry permit. And, um, you know, the leftists will come after you if you defend your family. Yeah. Well, new sponsor of the Liberty Lighthouse is right to bear insurance. It's the cheapest ca- uh, insurance I found of that type. So here, have a listen. Twas the night before Christmas, the kids snuggled asleep in their beds when you heard a loud rumble, like Santa and his sled. So you went downstairs to take a peek, get a look. You were confronted by this creep, a crook. He drew his weapon, but you fired first. And now this creep could take all your worth. Secure your family with Right to Bear Insurance. Plans start at $10.95 a month with civil and criminal defense coverage options up to $2 million. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash right to bear to learn more or to sign up and start protecting what you have now. Very proud to have them as a sponsor. That, that's necessary work, especially if you're, you have the unfortunate situation where you're living in a place like California or New York. Um, I, I love what Governor DeSantis said the other day about 
don't even try to loot here and take advantage of these people who've lost everything because uh, it won't end well for you. Yeah. That that was a, that was a good way to do that. Um, there, there are things that I recommend for our federal government that are more symbolic than anything else. The, I, I would like to see representatives paid the median income of their constituency. So, you know, you, you get paid the median income of your district where, where you supposedly live. Uh, but the reality is that wouldn't be sufficient for anybody who has to spend any amount of time in Washington, D.C. But I think it would show that these people are doing the job for the right reasons are theoretically doing the job for the right reasons, not for the big fat paychecks. Well, you know, there's that, that one's a tough one too. I mean, yeah, you get a lot of people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who, you know, they have, they're idealistic they're, They don't have a lot. They get there and, and she's probably got a net worth of $20 million now in right. uh, j- just a term or two. Uh, but that's not from the salary, which by like you point out for Washington DC standards, it's, you're not living large on that alone. Yeah, you're not living large on $180,000 a year in Washington, D.C. That brings me to another one. But, but how do you attract the best of the brightest? One of your, one of your, I'm sorry to interrupt, Peter, but one of your callers brought it up. I mean, back in the day, it was like, and a lot of countries do this, show up for one month and get your job done. They shouldn't get paid that much. If it's a year-round thing, how do you attract the, the smartest people to come to Washington? Uh, well, we're not, whatever it is, whatever the answer to that is, we're not doing it now. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> the um, the problem with with representation is that the people that would be best for we the people have no interest in doing the job. The people that do have interest in doing the job shouldn't be doing the job. Yeah, and a lot of these problems, you know, we, we can point the fingers at the media, we can point the figures at, at the elites and and a lot of other a lot of other folks, but we, we ought to look in the mirror and see how how are we contributing to this? The reason what you described is people don't want to put their families through it. I mean, look at what Herschel Walker's having to go through right now. I mean, right. once you are seen as a threat to the power of the elites. They're going to come after you with everything they got, but we tolerate this. We we play into it somehow, and it, it, for this to change, I think a lot of Americans are just going to hand, have to stand up and say, "This is the only thing we care about, which is integrity and people who care about our our values." I agree. We we got to do something, and and this is just. I mean, let's be honest. This is just a nice little thought experiment, kind of discussing things that we might want in a new hypothetical constitution amendments that we might want to see passed. Um, I, I think there needs to be some kinds of emoluments restrictions. Like you said, you know, AOC has got a net worth of however many millions of dollars. Now, when she got there, she had nothing. She didn't get that right. off $180,000 a year. Where'd that money come from? It was it insider trading. Is it lobbyist payments? Is it what, whatever, whatever that is needs to be stopped. Because it's so, clearly corruption. Yeah, I mean, and the, the the revelations from Tony Bobulinski and and the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, that's overt and obvious corruption. And uh, the 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 information they have access to can lead 
for them to I think a ban on stock trading uh yep. emoluments all that I mean a lot of these people can write books and and do media appearances and get paid for that and I don't think we should stop that there's a certain certain cult of personality that can pay very well with social media etc but I think yeah the emoluments thing and also we talk about the money the money should be turned off if they're not passing budgets or on time or balancing the budgets they get they should be paid zero I absolutely agree and and a budget needs to be a budget it needs to be both expenses and you know income and expenses at the same time that's a budget what we have now is continuing resolution spending bills they're not budgets no they, and they're they're actually very dangerous to our national security because when you do these continuing resolutions to, to correct one of the one of our callers before we do build ships and aircraft and and all of these weapons are built in the United States, but they can't be built by continuing resolution. So if you don't pass a budget, you are setting back the military and the ability to get new things. And um, Donald Trump, actually, under him, that was the first time that we had passed budgets on time for for our military in like a decade. And he did it twice while he was president. Another thing I think, as long as along the idea of budgeting, I think a balanced budget should be able to be passed with a simple majority. But any deficit spending should require a two-thirds majority in both houses. Agreed. And it's the exact opposite of what we have right now, where the Democrats and the Republicans have made this deal that says that you get what you want and I'll get what I want. The Republicans typically want to increase military spending. And I have to tell you, we need we're, I don't think we're at about 3.6 percent of GDP right now. It should be over five. Given what China is doing right now, we, we need to increase that. But it, but the the I call it the sequester, but the sequestration deal that President Obama proposed and was enacted by Congress means that if we go to five percent GDP for the military, discretionary spending must also go to five. So instead of what you propose, which is what we should be doing. We have a deal wherein the, both sides agree to increase deficit spending if we need one thing or the other, and it's we're, we're on a we're on a highway to hell right now. Yeah, we are. Hey, we've only got like a minute or so left, so go over who you are and where we can find you again one more time. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm Connor Coughlin, and my co-host Paul Runyon, who's actually the funny guy, and we we are we do have a lot of fun on the show. Um, we're military veterans, we are business owners, and we are constitutional conservatives. You can find The Midnight Ride, like Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as our Midnight... We also have a YouTube channel, The Midnight Ride Podcast. Thank you so much for letting us do that plug, and I love your show and, and your listeners. Um, they're, they're truly one of a kind. I'm, I'm, you've got a regular listener in me. Uh, thank you, Liberty Lighthouse. Um, so uh, your commercials are also the best i have to say (laughs) i appreciate that i have to say those those little liberty minutes that i do every morning those take up more time than creating this show those one minute news headline reviews every day take up far more time than all of the the prep work that goes into a two-hour show And, and i'm considering giving them up but hey if you're listening live on World Public Broadcasting Network, 
Stay tuned for The Edge of Darkness with uh, Jeffrey Bennett. Thanks for the, our guest for joining us this evening. Thanks for Mike, the producer. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you, listeners. You're why we do it. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. MyPillow.com is not just the best place to buy pillows. It's everything you need for, well, sleeping. The MyGiza Dream Sheets are by far the best quality sheets I've ever owned. The towels are fantastic, and my waffle quilt is just in time for winter. Slippers, sandals, robes, sleepwear, all at MyPillow.com. And if you use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com, I'll save you up to 66% off. So go to MyPillow.com and don't forget the promo code LIGHTHOUSE.